Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, and welcome to First Nazarene Church. Uh, I'm excited to see you today. I don't know if I just woke up on the right side of the bed or had an extra cup of coffee, but I'm walking around smiling, looking at all of you. I'm so glad that you have joined us uh, here for church today. Uh, If you are new here, my name is Galen. I'm the lead pastor here, uh, and I love pastoring this specific congregation, this church, uh, for many reasons. Number one, even just this last week, I was reminded I love being a part of a church uh, that uh, has a great reputation in the community. Uh, Number one, for things like resale yesterday. Oh, that's the church that, I love that you guys do that, and it's not just for us, but I know what else you use it for in the community. That's incredible. I I love that church. I'm like, they don't even really know, they don't really attend, but I love that church. Or this week, uh, I'm sitting in the Starbucks right down the street here, and I got my daughter with me, and uh, there's a table of moms sitting there, and they're like, oh, don't blink, you're gonna miss it, it'll go fast. I remember just the other day, my kids were at Nazrec, and I was like, oh, yeah, you like Nazrec? Tell me more about that. <laughs> oh, I love that place. Yeah, a little junior to this, and they play soccer, and, da, da, da. and I was like, hey, you know, I love that church, too. Actually, you know, since being the lead pastor there now, and they're like, wait, you're the, you look like you were in Nazrec like three weeks ago. What do you mean you're, <laughs> no, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. But then, in all honesty, be able to say, I love, just as lead pastor, and you didn't even know me, I love that our church has a great name in your mouth. Like, you love this place. Can I tell you, you could come on a Sunday morning sometime if you wanted to. It's a great community. You trust the preschool, you trust the Nazarek, trust the church too. It's a great place. You should come. Uh, it's fun for me to be able to do that. More than that, though, I would say even spiritually. Friends, I wish you knew the stories, even in the last two weeks. And I can't, you know, point to people in the room because uh, it's their own information. But friends, when God is moving in a place, when you see people saying their own testimony, I have found freedom from addiction. From this community, I have found a home, a family where I was once alone. And just story after story, uh, even a praise report in our uh, greeting team before you get here, uh, we gather, we pray for you and we uh, pray for our services. Praise God that the Lord has done this in my kid's life. Thank God. So it's fun for me. I know you don't get to see everything. I just want to tell you, uh, I love pastoring this place. I'm glad that you've excited to be a part of this church, this community, and really lean in. And I hope that you have leaned in in this Seek and Save series. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, looking at the prodigal son and Zacchaeus and Mephibosheth, and we're learning from that, learning from the heart of God and how he treats outsiders, and then if we follow Jesus, how then we should live in a response. And if you've missed those, um, you can go back, watch them. Some people have been telling me on their commute, they just listen to the podcast to the message. If they missed, that's a good way to do it. And if you've been here, you know, 
This has more been like corporately as a church. How do we join God in seeking and saving the lost? What is our disposition? How do we view other people? How do we invite other people? And it's all leading to Food Truck Sunday where we will actually invite people. And we've been praying for that list of three people. Uh, this is what we've been doing together. And next week, actually, um, Dr. Graves, David Graves, is going to be with us. Uh, and I would encourage you, if, if at all possible, be here next weekend. Uh, just a quick little, who is David Graves? Um, in our church, some of you grew up Catholic. Any grew up Catholic people? So you're familiar with the Pope, right? He's at the top of the Catholic Church. Um, in our Nazarene church, there are six people at the highest level. It's our general superintendents. Uh, these people travel the world, seeing what the Church of the Nazarene, is doing ordaining new pastors, starting new districts, new works of the church all around the world. Only six of them. David Graves is one of those six. So when he comes next week, this is like the head honcho will be on our best behavior. I will be at least. You guys just, you're fine. Um, And he'll come and share stories of all around the world, what God is doing in seeking and saving all around the world. So I encourage you to come. But before we get out of this Seek and seek uh, series, uh, seek and save. I just want to ask you, like, personally, not so much corporately where we're going as a church, but like, if it was just me and you, and I can't quite have this many coffees, but if we were to sit down, just me and you, and I asked you today, how are you doing? How would you respond? And actually, that's one of our questions that I want to reflect on today. And I actually want you to think about it this way on a scale of one to 10, How close are you to God today? On a scale of one to 10, you got a number in your head? How'd you answer? Don't, you don't have to say it aloud. One to 10, how close are you to God today? Because here's what happened. I'm doing seek and save, I'm searching the scriptures. What is it talking about seeking in scripture? And yes, they're the things of Jesus was out seeking and saving the lost, but there were also many things in scripture that talked about how do we seek God? Or when God is saying of us, I want you to come and seek me individually. Come and meet with me. If you've been designed for relationship with God, he's saying, come, seek me out. And I ask this question, how close are you to God today? Because I've encountered, I've read uh, this biblical principle. It's from James 4, 8. And I live by it. I've seen it true over and over again in my life. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. See, if I could, just as a a pastor, I'm going to talk about just the spiritual life in general a little bit this morning. Often, many of us, we just get in our normal rhythm patterns of life, whatever that looks like for you. Obviously, some people are busier, some people are not busier. Whatever normal is for you, we kind of settle into it. We do this, and we wake up then, and we go here, and then we do that, and we see these people, we say these things, the same thing over and over. And so a lot of times in our spiritual life, it just becomes the same thing over and over and over. When we're living in this way, we're not pushed to what's uncomfortable. Uh, we live pretty safe, uh, predictable, and regular. Yet then, if you live this way at any time, if you've lived a couple years at least, um, something will happen. Could be good, it could be not so good, and it shakes us out of our rhythms. We're pushed into what's uncomfortable, what's not predictable, what's irregular for us. And for many of us, it causes us, at least in the spiritual life, to panic a little bit. 
Like, what's happening? Why do we get here? This is so different. I'm not sure how we're going to live. Ah, and we start to stress more. It can be good things. It's a new job or a new schedule, rhythm for the kids, a new opportunity we've chosen to pursue. But it could be things that we didn't choose, an unexpected change in our work or our family life, a break or a disruption in a significant relationship to us, maybe a death of someone close to us. And here's what I would say. These irregularities will always come. And it's a lot of times in these seasons where we actually have the opportunity to draw even closer to God. Because when life is safe and predictable and regular, it's, well, I've got my normal relationship with God or my own patterns. But oftentimes when these different things come, instead of uh, worrying, as Pastor Adam said, being anxious and wondering, what's going to happen? What if we begin to view that as a call to prayer? If I'm internally a mess, that should be the very thing that should turn us and say, then I need to take this to God. Don't worry about anything, Scripture says. Pray about everything. So we come to him and say, God, I'm drawing close to you, maybe even out of my own desperation. Would you come and meet me here? Would you come and help me? Even if I wouldn't have put this on my worst enemy, I would have never chose to go through this. God, could you use this and draw close, draw near to me? And I think he will. Second Chronicles says very similar this way. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. And we like that. That makes sense. Whenever you seek him, if you go after God, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. We don't really like, we don't really like that last line, do we? Oh, he's going to well, abandon me. I say it this way. You're as close to God today as you've been seeking him. You're as distant from God today as you have distanced yourself from him. He leaves it up to us. Come and seek, and if you seek, you will find. If you turn your back on me, what do you expect? You will be, uh, I will be behind you. I will not be facing you. So today, really what I want to do is to give you a picture and a language for the spiritual life, to allow you to be able to say, this is where I am today, and now here are my steps moving forward. Uh, I'm going to call it a little bit of a spiritual checkup. Can we do that? Like you go to the doctor for a checkup. I'm not quite a doctor, doctorate. I haven't quite earned that yet. Give me a couple months, so this will be your spiritual checkup with the almost doctor, okay? Spiritual checkup. Here's the picture for you today. It's a boat. I listen to pastors, I listen to sermons, I try to grow in my own life, try to grow in my craft, and I was listening to a pastor not that long ago, he's a friend of mine, and he's speaking, and he gives this, this beautiful picture, this metaphor of a boat, and I'm going to make it much bigger, and we'll walk through it today, and I was like, wow, that's brilliant, um, but it, it sounds actually a little bit familiar, and me and that pastor, we have a, a, a mutual friend. And I, so I text that mutual friend. I say, hey, he, gave, he talked about the boat today. That was brilliant. But I think I've heard that before. Did he get that from you? He's like, actually, yeah, he did get it from me. And I was like, well, then he needed to give you credit. That's amazing. And he said, well, I didn't come up with it. I actually heard it from somebody else. So who'd you hear it from? He goes, Galen, I heard it from you. I was like, well, look at that. I'm brilliant. I'm a little forgetful, but I'm brilliant. This is amazing. He said, Galen, well, you didn't, you, that wasn't original to you. And I was like, okay. 
He said, you got it from Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, and his book called Prayer. And it's a great one. I've read it. I'd forgotten I'd read it. Um, it's really good if you went to the prayer life, the interior spiritual life, Tim Keller Prayer. And it's only a little in the book, but I want to expand it a little bit. It goes like this. In your spiritual life, I think some of you today are sailing. The wind is up, you've got the, uh, the wind is blowing, you don't even have to row, and the boat is moving. This is the season of life where you just wake up with a smile on your face, not just because you're like the morning person, which I don't understand you people anyway, you wake up, it's a great day, I haven't even had coffee yet, um, I don't understand that. But once you begin to wake up and you look around, God is at work in my life. My prayers are being answered and this great thing happened and all I can do is come to church and sit back and say, thank you, God. Life is easy. It's comfortable. You're sailing. It's not a lot of work. You just wake up and, oh, God is good. It makes us read when I, uh, when I was thinking about what does it look like to be sailing. Psalm 145 uh, came to mind. I want to read it to you. Picture this sailing. God, how good are you? How amazing you have provided for me. All I can do is be thankful and sit back and say you're incredible. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everybody. He showers compassion on all of his creation. All of your works, all of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and they will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He's gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts the bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all who look to you seeking in hope you give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. You see the sailing? Oh, God is good, and he should be praised. God is good. How many of you were here today? And I'll ask you, uh, and this is okay. This isn't bragging. This isn't showboating or anything. You just say, when you look at your life right now, like, man, God is good. I'm in a season of sailing, if you will. How many of you are sailing today? God is good. You're looking around. You're seeing his provision. You're saying, thank you, God, I'm sailing. Here's what I want to do. Uh, many of you are not there, but Romans says we should celebrate with those who celebrate. We should weep with those who weep. I just, as a, as a sign to celebrate with those who are celebrating, I want us as a church just to say, thank you, God. Can we do that together? Say it with me. Thank you, God. That's right. For those that are celebrating and sailing today. Now, here's what I want you to see. Sailing is not the same thing as comfortable. Sailing isn't the same thing as life being easy. You know, in the good moments, we reflect, oh, God is good. But you can be super busy and still look back, oh, God is good. And honestly, you can have things in difficult moments of your life, but you still see God's provision and say, God is good. Many people in my life these last few weeks, Galen, uh, let's see. So uh, you had a child six weeks ago. Uh, you started this new job three, four weeks ago. You moved two days ago. How are you doing? And I'm like, honestly, yeah, it's stressful, not any sleep, whatever. But I'm looking around. I'm seeing answers to prayer. Prayers, I, specific prayer I prayed three years ago. God is bringing to pass in these times. So you look around, you're like, oh, God is good. We all have these seasons from time to time. Sailing. But secondly, today, after sailing, is rowing. Different picture. There's sailing, and now there's rowing. 
In rowing, we read verses like Luke 12. Seek the kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Or Hebrews, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, for it is the evidence of things we cannot see. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can, cannot be seen. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. They're sincerely working towards seeking God and getting closer and closer to him, doing what pleases him in faith. We read verses like Matthew 7, and many of you have heard this for many years. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I've heard these words many times in church in my own personal reading, but I looked at them a little bit differently this week. Begin to ask opposite questions. Wait, God is telling us, ask. God is telling you to seek. God is saying there are doors to you that are closed right now. You need to start knocking. So I began to wonder, are there things in our life that maybe we haven't received because we haven't asked. Man, we're sailing. Life is great. God, you're so good. So I don't really need to do anything. I don't really need to work. Just God is good. I can just sit here and enjoy it. But what if there was more? God, could you do this? Would you do this? You've been so good to me and praise me. I thank you. But God, could you do this? Asking and seeking and knocking. God, I don't know if this door would open. I don't know if you would do this thing, but could you? Could I see your faithfulness once more in this? There's work to be required when you're rowing. There's some work to be done. There's an action to be performed. So we ask and seek and knock. Many of you, when I, when I think of rowing, I think of the classic spiritual disciplines. Church, are we praying? Are we reading the scripture on our own? Are we meeting with others and talking about the spiritual life? Are we serving on mission in our community? That's what it means to row, to keep doing the good works that God has called us to do, to seek him, to know God, and to serve others, as our mission statement says. Are we doing these things? And some of you are saying, yes. And if you were to say yes today, here's what I tell you. Keep on rowing. Keep on rowing. I've had many encounters, um, well, I mean, just throughout all of life, but I've begun to view them a little differently in the last three months of like 60, 70, 80 year olds. And, and I may be wrong, I recognize I'm not there in life, but just the more and more conversations I've had, I think I begin to notice something. I think the habits that we give ourselves to in our teens, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, they compound, it's like compounding interest. They compound throughout all of life and we become shaped and formed by them so much. I guess I would just say it this way. I've encountered 70-year-olds that just smile at nothing. They're happy and they're joyful. It's on their face. They're, God is good. Life is good. Yeah, but don't you see this thing happening in your life? Oh, it'll be fine. Not naively. I've just seen this. I have this past of God being faithful to me. It'll be faithful again. It's fine. To me, I think these are people that have just kept rowing over the years. God, even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to read your scriptures. God, even when I don't understand, I'm just going to keep on praying anyway. God, even when I would rather not serve others because I feel like I need something in life, I'm going to go and serve others anyway. They have just kept rowing. And I think that's the difference between joyful and bitterness as life 
goes on, just keep rowing. When I was thinking of that phrase, just keep rowing, I immediately thought of this guy, his name is Colin O'Brady, He's an adventurer. He holds many world records for doing absolutely crazy things. Uh, I began to follow him a couple years ago because of the feats that he accomplishes. I uh, first of all asked myself, why would anybody dare or want to do those things? But no one's done it, so he's going to go and do it. Uh, one of his recent um, expeditions, if you will, was called the Impossible Row. Discovery actually picked it up, and they did a live uh, tracking of the entire event. Uh, him and five other guys, so a crew of six, decided we are going to to row a boat, so no sail, no motor, just human-powered. Uh, we're going to row a boat across the Drake Passage. So this is South America, and this is Antarctica. I mean, if I'm going to get in a boat, I would do it like in Florida, but if you want to go down there and you'd be cold, you can. No one had ever rowed, uh, at least to our knowledge, from here to here in a completely human-powered vessel. It's 600 nautical miles yeah, let's row it. First of all, why does that cross anybody's mind? Let's do it. So this crew of six men from four nations, three continents, get this, rowed continuously, so they never stopped, 24 hours a day in 90-minute shifts. So 90 minutes, oh, and then you get 90 minutes off, and in that time you need to accomplish eating, going to the bathroom, I don't know how that works, and sleeping, Oh, and then once you're done, 90 minutes, you're back in. 24 hours a day. Can you imagine doing that for one day? Second day of doing that? 90 minutes of sleep? Third day for 12 days straight. Crossing this coldest and roughest stretch of open ocean on earth. The swells would get 40 feet high while operating on limited sleep. And Oh, and Colin had never rowed a boat in his life. Why would you do that? Just keep rowing. 90 minutes, wake up, just keep rowing. We can get there, we can get there. Yeah, where are we going? It's 600 miles out there. Just keep going. Never stop. Go to sleep, wake up, just keep. Honestly, <laughs> as I'm reading this, I got a little convicted. Because I'm like, man, if you can wake up after 90 minutes of sleep and then do something ridiculously hard, and I'm like, can I wake up at six and read my Bible? I went to bed at like midnight, it's so early. Can I, oh, six hours, 90 minutes, come on. Can I do this? Yes, I can do hard things, we can do this. Just keep rowing. Here's what's interesting about rowing to me. There's a destination, sure, and we're rowing towards it. And for them, once they arrive, woo, it's a party. For us in the spiritual life, there's a destination. But what if I told you it's more about the journey of who you're becoming as you keep rowing? So that by the time you get to the destination, it's almost not like, woo, we made it, we squeaked by, they let me in. No, it's I've been walking with this God my entire life and now I finally get to see him, the one who I know, but now I get to see him face to face because I've known him this entire journey. Just keep rowing. The second thing is not so much about the destination, but I would also say, the weather doesn't matter. Sometimes life is calm, still, it's easy. Sometimes life is difficult, it's a storm. Neither one of those things determine whether or not you choose to row. Would you just keep rowing, no matter what this is? Just keep seeking God. How many of you today, and I'll ask you to raise your hand again in just a moment, you'd say you're rowing. 
you're doing well. You're doing all that you can to seek God. You're seeking him out in the scriptures. You're praying. You're trying to serve others. God, I want to know you more. How many of you today would say you're rowing? Just raise your hand. You're rowing. For those of you that raise your hand, keep at it. Don't stop. See the compounding interest over time. Keep seeking God. Draw near to him. I promise he will draw near to you. It may not be in the timing you want, and it may not be in the way you want. Just keep rowing. He will be faithful. For those of us not rowing, I want to challenge you to pick up a paddle. Start seeking God. Scripture says this way. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. These are actions. Humble yourself, pray, and seek me. Turn from your wicked ways. It's interesting, that verse from James I read, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It actually goes on. It says, wash your hands, which is a sign of purity. Purify your hearts. Turn from your double-mindedness. Stop loving God and the world. Devote yourselves wholeheartedly to God. Turn from your wicked ways. You do these things. He says, I will hear from heaven. I forgive their sin. I will restore their land. Keep rowing. Get closer to God. And this week, I want to challenge you. Seek God in a different way than you normally do. If you've been established in your regular weather, uh, patterns of life, do something different. Maybe for a time of prayer, put your phone away. Don't see any clocks at all. No, you can't see them. You sit somewhere where you can't see them. And just begin to pray. And you might be surprised at how quickly you stop praying. That's okay. Just sit there and keep talking to God. With whatever comes to mind, bring it to God. Pray and seek him. Read scripture. Maybe just begin in Luke. I've never read the Bible. Where do I begin? Start in Luke. You'll get a Christmas story right at the beginning. And then after that, the life of Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we need to meet with somebody and say, here's where I'm at with Jesus. Would you help me? What would you say to me? And for all of us today, maybe I would tell you, and you knew this was coming at some point, you should join a life group. Maybe this would be your action. Okay, I'm, God, I want to seek you. So I'm going to go be with your people. I'm going to pray with them. And even if I'm not praying out loud, I'm going to hear the prayers of others. Scripture says we should get together with each other. I'm, I'm going to commit to do that. You see the book on your seat or online. You can see it there too. Find a group and join. Some of them have already started. Some start this week. And there's only one more week to sign up anyway. Maybe this would be your step. Maybe you've never done it before. I'm going to row in a different way, not just on my own, but with others. So there's sailing, there's rowing, and then there's drifting. We sit in the boat, the paddles are in our hands if we really wanted to, but we're choosing not to, and we're drifting. Hebrews says, we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There, your ancestors tested and tried my patience. And even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, so I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. That's strong, isn't it? So this is quoting from the Old Testament. The writer is quoting from the Old Testament, and then he turns. Because this is super strong, he turns. So then be careful, brothers and sisters, you. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. 
No, you must warn each other, as long as it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, keep it on rowing, trusting, that God, trusting in God just as firmly as when we first believed, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. He's saying don't drift, don't stop, don't go away from it. The, the first one was fascinating. This is uh, hold carefully to the truth. Instead, we may drift away. Some of us, we hold carefully the truth by continuing to read scriptures. So that when we hear cultural thoughts of the day, well, is that true? We have a foundation of truth to go to instead of just simply maybe drifting off course of what God would want us to do. I think most of us drift into drifting. Does that make sense? We drift into drifting. I think there's two ways to get there. And the first one is maybe you've been rowing You were paddling, I'm trying, but I don't see God working in my life. So honestly, what's the point? I'm done. I'll just drift. And that's a choice you can make. But I would ask you, where does it leave you? Does it just leave us in the middle of the ocean, sitting, going wherever the wind blows, when a storm comes up, no way to fight it? I think maybe it's worth picking up the paddle again. I think the other way we get into drifting, and church people, those of you that have been around for a long time, hear this. The other way we get into drifting is actually straight from sailing. The wind blows, and the boat's moving, and life is good, and God is good. I see him doing this. This is amazing. This is amazing. So you put the rose down. Like, I don't really need to go seek him in scripture or pray because, like, man, he's doing everything, and my whole life is amazing. And without noticing it, the wind stops blowing, and you're like, oh, it's so good, it's so good. I haven't moved in a bit, have I? I'm just sitting here. Oh, and there's a destination that I could be rowing towards, but if I'm just sitting here, now when the wind blows, it's not taking me there. It's taking me off course. I've been drifting, and I've gotten here straight from smooth sailing. Hebrews, again, says it this way. Let us hold tightly I love this. If you're holding the paddles, we're not just putting them down and drift. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. And especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. Do you see all this language in here? Don't let each other drift. No, motivate one another. Hey, what good work could we do? How could we keep meeting together? I honestly think in the church in the next 15 and 20 years, we need to revisit, just as we consider Bible reading and prayer, classical spiritual disciplines, that we will actually begin to say that church attendance is a spiritual discipline. What has been going on for years, oh, everybody just shows up on Sunday, that's what we do. Is moving away from, that. Nah, it's not so much what we do anymore. We're not as committed to it as maybe we used to be. But it says, don't neglect it. Keep getting together. Keep on rowing. Keep rowing. Friends, maybe, I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you today are drifting? I'm not really rowing. I'm not really sailing. I'm not really rowing. I'm just kind of drifting along with whatever life brings. Can I challenge you today? I think it's worth picking up the paddle again. However you got to where you did, no judgment, but is it worth beginning to row again? Sailing, rowing, drifting, and a final one, drowning. 
This doesn't need much explanation for you. If you're in it, you already know it. I'm not sailing. I'm not seeing God. We're rowing. Yeah, I haven't done that ever or in a while. Drifting, honestly, that doesn't even like accurately portray what my life is like at the moment. I'm drowning. I could kind of care less maybe even about seeking God and the spiritual discipline things you're talking about. No, I just need to survive today. I'm drowning. What would God have to say to you? If this was your spiritual checkup, I'm drowning today. I'm thinking about boats. My brain can't help but go to Matthew 14. Jesus is walking on the water, coming towards the disciples. Peter calls to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Sometimes we just celebrate, that's amazing, and it is. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Peter, drowning. I don't know, wind and waves and storms, I don't know what names they are in your life, schedule, debt, busyness, suffocating expectation, pressure, whatever it is, you begin to drown. The story goes on. Save me, Lord, he shouts. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. When I read this, it's a a great story, but here's what's interesting. Save me, Lord, Peter shouts. Peter was a fisherman by trade. He spent his whole life on the water. You think Peter knew how to swim? I think so. Here's the temptation. Some of us, when we're drowning, oh, I just need to work harder. I need to put in more hours. I need to do better, make less mistakes, and I just, I can do this. I need to work a little bit harder. I can do this on my own. You keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and I'm still drowning. What if then you turned to God? God, I know I can swim, I know I can work hard, I know I can do this, but I can't get back in the boat on my own, and I know it. Lord, save me. And if you seek him, draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Here's here's also what caught me. Jesus immediately reached out. Here's what this tells me. If you're drowning, Jesus isn't far away. Jesus is very near. That if in your state of drowning, if you would just call out, Lord, save me, what if Jesus is right there to catch you, to pull you up, and to put you back on board? If you're drowning today, he's not far off. Would you call out to him and say, save me? Your situation doesn't dictate or determine God's distance. He's always right there. Cry out to him. So today, one more time, how are you doing? One to 10, what's your number? And then just in response, I want to ask you, what could you do to change your number? Maybe go one more number up. Because I think God is near. I think God wants to speak. I think God wants relationship with you. He wants to work in your life. He wants to reveal himself to you. Could you come close to God this week? Intentionally, schedule it, put it on the calendar, do something different. Seek him. Ultimately, here's the picture. This is individually, this is something we all do. But if we all individually begin to do it, it begins to change the spiritual temperature of the church. 
What if every time we gather, oh, you're meeting with Jesus and you're meeting with Jesus and you're seeking God and you're serving, and God looks down and says, these people, first Nazarene, oh, they're seeking my face. Oh, wouldn't he want to bless us? Oh, and it's church-wide, sure, but it starts with every single one of us. Can we begin to seek God? I also want to tell you, there are no shortcuts in the spiritual life. No, oh, here's three quick fixes of how you can do it. Watch this five-minute video, and then you'll be good. You can't cheat God. You either do the work, if you will, or you don't. How do we draw near to him? Again, you're as distant from God as you have distanced yourself from him, but you're as close to him as you will seek him. So where are you today? Maybe on the ride home. This is where I'm at today. And then, now here's what I want to do, and I hope it involves picking up the paddle and beginning to row. Finally today, I want to end just with this, this psalm, and this is my prayer for you. This is from Psalm 34. I want you to hear these words. They'll be on the screen too. It says this. I prayed to the Lord. So there's some seeking. I went to go meet with God. I began to talk with God. I prayed to the Lord. I sought him. And he answered me. My prayer for you is that as you would go and pray and seek God, he would answer your prayers. And then he freed me from all my fears. What are you afraid of today? What are you worried about today? Even if the situation doesn't change, God can give you a peace that goes beyond all understanding to free you from your fears. Go and seek him. Those who look to him for help, God save me, will be radiant with joy. Hmm. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Oh, if they only knew what I did, and I have to hide this from them, because if they only found out what I did, ashamed. Instead of, God, I look to you knowing I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking you, and I'm seeking your forgiveness. I'm seeking your new life. God, transform me from the inside out. I'm seeking you. Oh, and we do that? It says, filled with joy. Verse 6, in my desperation, God, save me. I prayed when we seek him, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Oh, you drowning today? God, save me. It may not be right now. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, but we can trust his promises. He's faithful. He saved me from all my troubles. One more, verse 8. If we do this, if we seek him, we pray. Then we say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once you've experienced it, oh, God is good in every season. Oh, the joys that take their refuge in him. Church, would you bow your head and pray with me today? God, I've, as we've went through this Seek and Save series, we know your heart is for the prodigal. We know that you've called us on mission to not view people like Zacchaeus as less than or other, but as your children. God, we know that you desire for us to do the work to go and seek and save like King David did with Mephibosheth, like you do with all of us. God, help us to be that kind of church. But we also recognize that it starts with every one of us individually. God, would you draw near to us today just as you promised? I've been trusting that you would speak to your people today what they need to hear. For some, would you encourage them? They've been rowing and they just need to keep rowing. Would you encourage them today? 
God, for those that have been sailing, we thank you, God, for every good and perfect thing that you have given us. God, for those of us that are drifting, pray that you convict us a little bit to get back into rhythms of meeting with you, to begin to row, to seek you. And as we do, may the spiritual temperature of this place increase. You begin to continue uh, to do the good works that you're doing, not only in us, but through us for our community as well. Friend, for you today, if you're drowning, I didn't ask you to raise your hand because I knew you wouldn't with every eye open. But just as a sign, my eyes are closed too, I am not open in mine, but just as a sign between you and God, you say, God, I need you today. Just like Peter, I'm calling out, God, save me. Would you raise your hand right now? God, I'm drowning and I need your help. God, save me. Church, just as we celebrate with those who celebrate and we say thanks be to God, we also come alongside those that are drowning. So as an entire church, would we simply say, God save me? Could you say that with me right now? Say it with me. God save me. Friend, if you are drowning, know that you're not drowning alone. There's other people there, but there are also people that are right here to help you as well, praying for you even as we have voiced those words, that God would come and seek and save you in the midst of where you are today. Finally, God, make us a church that lives on mission, not just a church that just exists for ourselves a church who desires for the world to know your gospel message and your love, that the lost would be found, those that have run far from you would come home. May you accomplish it in and through us. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.